0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, If you're visiting, my name is Dave, uh, pastor here at K2, and I just want to welcome you uh, into a series. Uh, So we are in actually the fourth week of a five-week series that we've been calling This is War. And uh, so I want to really encourage you. This is one of those series where we really are building on the messages that have happened before uh, I'd love to recap everything that we've talked about, but I, I can't. So uh, you can go to our website at any time and you can pick up these messages or you can get them on podcasts as well. Um, but what I, all we want is to let you know is that Jesus has made it really clear that there really is something going on beyond what we can see. And there is a war that is existing for the heart and soul of every human being. And I love what Jesus said in John 10.10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you might have life and life to the full. So I want to welcome you here today because I can tell you something really cool, and that is Jesus says he wants every one of you in this room to have life and life to the full. And so there's a battle going on because there's an enemy on the other side who doesn't want us to experience that. And so, three weeks ago, we just looked at Jesus, and we just saw how he is the champion. When he was here on this planet, he actually said, the prince of this world has to come, but he has no hold over me. None. And so he was the one who was victorious all the time, and so we had to start this whole series off by saying, instead of looking at the battle and the the negativity of the whole thing, let's start off by looking at the one who's won this thing, and let's celebrate him, and let's remember him throughout the series. Right after that, we looked at this armor that he says that he gives us, that there is an actual spiritual armor for your heart and your soul and your mind, so that you can actually win. And then last week we looked at the enemy. We took we went dive in. If you're ever gonna if you're in sports and you're gonna have a competition, you have to know your opponent, and you do a game plan because you understand his strategies. And so we looked at that. And then today, what we're gonna look at is the Bible says, yes, there is a spiritual enemy, Satan the devil who's warring against your soul. But the second place where this battle actually takes place is in the world. And so there's a battle actually going on in the world. And so uh, let me read Ephesians chapter 6, 10-12. through 12. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle... It's not against flesh and blood, but listen to this. It's actually against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil, which are in the heavenly realms. And so today, and it's so funny, because I I remember studying for last week and studying about Satan and the devil, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is like intense stuff. And and then I'm like, oh, next week's the world. You know, that's a lot easier. You know, we get that. I just want to tell you, this one is way more messy than last week. Because I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, we are getting so duped by the world. And what we need to understand is that the battleground that Satan uses is this thing that you and I were born into, that we are so accustomed to, that just seems so natural, and it is, and so normal, that we're totally missing how it's actually working to destroy our life. Now, before I pray, let me just, one last thing that we mentioned last week. When Jesus said, I came so you could have life and life to the full, he said later in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, so he defines what he means by giving you life. And he says, it's that you might know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. That's life. Is that you know God. And like I said last week, you guys, it's not knowing about God. Again, I think one of his greatest strategies is go ahead and go to church and learn things about God. That doesn't change anything. Even the demons, the scriptures say, believe that there's one God. And they shudder. So it's got to be more than just believing he exists. To know God actually takes faith. The word believe is also the word faith in scripture. And that always means that you're taking what you're learning and you actually are entrusting yourself to it. Faith without action is dead. That means when you believe in something really, you actually take steps so that you experience it and it becomes real. Then you know God. And I want to tell you, man, that's what Jesus wants for you. That's why K2 exists. That's why we're here. We have tasted and seen that God is really real, and you can actually know him intimately and personally, and we want you to know that too. And you need to know you have an enemy who's saying, I'm going to do everything I can to keep you from knowing God. All right? So let's pray, and let's ask him to open up our hearts. Father, um, thanks for today. Thanks for everyone who's here. What I love is that when you created each person who's here, you knew the plans you had for them, and you want everyone in this room to have life. And you want them to have life to the full. Full of love and joy and peace. Full of purpose and strength. So thank you for that. Thank you that you wanted to rescue us from a life of anxiety and fear, of bitterness and anger, of feeling like we're not worth anything. You wanted to rescue us from that and give us life. So, God, would you help me? I just pray you'd help me um, just to be clear, to be concise. But most of all, what I'm praying for is that your Holy Spirit, who knows everyone who's here, that you'd open the eyes of their heart so you could touch them and help them to see how the world is affecting them. And that's what I ask for in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, Jesus starts off and he even says that. that, that So, we talked about Satan last week and he defines Satan as the prince of this world. So, he actually rules in this world. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So, in dead, obviously, if you're walking around and you're breathing and you're eating, and it's not that you're physically dead. What he's talking about is your soul is dead because it is separated from God. And he goes, You are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. So the first thing that we see, there are are patterns. We're going to talk about that later. There are patterns in this world. There are systems in this world, and they lead us to sin. They lead us away from God, and they cause death. That's why Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But look at this. You used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So the spirit, this spiritual battle, these authorities, these powers, Satan, is actually the ruler of the kingdom of the air and he's the one who's at work within people who are disobedient, which just means I don't want to walk in God's ways. I'm going in the ways of the world. And so that's the pattern. Now, in all of these things, all these ways of the world, what they do is, they'll do, like Satan will do anything just to keep us from really knowing God. So, by the way, can I say this right off the bat? Man, grab paper and pen. I got so much scripture I'm going to throw at you. I'm going to, I've just, I've got, just like last week, way more than I can fire in you today. And we will be back again at 7 o'clock tonight if any of you want to join us. Uh, Last week, we had 130 people show up on Sunday night. It was fantastic. We just had an incredible time talking more in depth about what I'm going to talk about this morning. So... Um, but just I'm going to give you more than that's even up on the screen, so you're going to need to write down a bunch of stuff. Here's one of them. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that there are actually arguments and pretensions that are set up against the knowledge of God. <laughs> How many of you would agree that there are arguments set up <laughs> against the knowledge of God? I mean, everything around us. You go to school now, and it's, it's, you're a fool if you believe there's a God. Every argument is against God or knowing the one true God. And so that's the way of the world. Now, are you ready for this? This is very interesting scriptures. James 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Interesting. Some of you have to be sitting there going, I thought God loved the world. Right? <laughs> Aren't we supposed to, like, a the world, like, what's he talking about here? I'm going I'm to get into this in a little bit. But what you need to see here is enmity. That word is actively opposed, hostile against. It's a word for hatred. If you're a friend of the world, he says, you are actively opposed against God. And then he's to the point where he says you're actually his enemy. And that's the word that Jesus uses twice to describe Satan. So friendship with the world means you're an enemy against God. So the battle's on, right? I mean, this is war. There's an enemy. And who's the war against? The? What are we talking about today? World. The world. <laughs> and, 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 and this is one. I, again, I, I pray that, you, that God will help us to see how the very world we live in is the thing that Satan somehow has gotten into to mess us up from keeping us from being connected to really know God. It's crazy. Okay, here we go. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father isn't in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So now let me address this world thing real quick, okay? So when you read the scriptures, you're going to see the word world, that's always hard to say, the word world used in different ways. Sometimes it just means the created world, right? It just means the cosmos and the planet that you see. When it talks about love the world, that's a synonym for mankind. When it says that God loves the world, It's talking about he loves all of mankind. But in this, when it talks about the ways of the world, when it says don't love the world, what it means is there are actually organized systems that oppose God. It is the human society which is organized under an actual power of evil. That Satan, everything we learned about him last week, he weaves his way into uh, the ways of this world, sets up patterns that actually oppose themselves against the knowledge of God. So when it says, so God so loved the world, that's the love of redemption that says, I want to save you from this destruction. But when it's do not love the world, that's the selfish love of participation in the world and sharing in the sin. Now, I want to tell you, the thing that surprised me when I looked at this, when it says don't love the world, the word that is, the word there is agape. And that surprised me because if, if you understand, agape is the love that's a selfless, self-giving love. And so what he's saying there then is don't just give yourself freely to the world. Here's why. If you give yourself to the world, you're giving yourself to, how did he describe it? You're giving yourself to lust and pride. So then all of a sudden, it's all for me, and it's all about me. So when he says, don't love the world, what he's saying is, i that's not love, because he says, what? If you love the world, then the love of the Father isn't in you. Because when the world says, hey, it's all about you, what does the love of God share? When Jesus came, he showed us something so completely different. It was never about him. He was free from himself. He was free to give to others instead of being consumed with himself. And so, what we've got to understand, you guys, is, and we're going to look at this in just a second. This pattern of the world is a pattern of the prince of the world. And I want to tell you, his pattern is always to say, it's about you. It's about you. And then what happens is that love actually turns into lust. Totally different. It's a beautiful play on words here love and lust. Let's look at them. Here we go. Let's look at the way of the world. The first one is what we're not supposed to, the way of the world that we're supposed to hate, the, the, the lust of the flesh. If I was going to define the lust of the flesh, this way of the world, it would be whatever feels good, do it. Now, is that not our world? Is that not you? Right? <laughs> I mean, that's every single one of us. There's something inside this. But the world, and the word lust, you guys, it means a passionate desire, It means it can never be satisfied. So the more you feed it, then the more you just need. And we all know this is true. It's like sex is a wonderful pleasure. And then once you experience it, all it makes you want is more. And then I need more. And then, man, if you have money, everybody knows that anybody who's had tons of money is how much more do you need? Just a little bit more. It never satisfies and so this lust of this flesh, if it feels good, do it. What's crazy about the hideous nature of that is it lures you in, and then you get it, and then you've got to have more. Philippians 3, 18 and 19, it's not up here. You can look at it later. But 3, 18, 19 says this. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. So here it is again, this war. There's an enemy. And it says, and their destiny is destruction. And What did Jesus say? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Listen to this. Because their God is their stomach. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) What a great description. How many of you can confess your God at times is your stomach? (laughs) Yes. And all he's saying is there, there is something inside. It's a natural desire. And here's the problem. What we're saying is whatever makes me feel good, I love feeling good. And so what happens is my personal happiness ends up being my God. And I want to tell you, this is exactly what our world's telling us. Nothing should stop you from getting whatever you need to make you feel good. And nobody else should be able to stop you. This is your God. This is what you make every decision based on, feeling good. And if it feels good, then you do it. Can I share with you a few problems with this? The first one is this, is that these pleasures are things that God has given us. The problem is when they go from good and we take out one of the O's and we make them God. Yeah. Exactly. That was a good amen right there. That's what that was. All right. <laughs> but it, but it, it's when, when things that are fine and good become God when all of a sudden I need them. And here's the problem. As soon as you have to have it, now it controls you. And as soon as it controls you, it becomes something that some of you have struggled with addictions. And so some of you have have addictions to pornography in here because it it got to that point where a good, beautiful, great, unbelievable gift from God got out and and instead of being something that I give out of love, it became something I get because it makes me feel good. And next thing you know, you need it and you need more of it and now it's got you. And, and, And it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's money, it's video games, it's sports. It doesn't matter what it is. But the way of this world is to say what matters most is you feeling good. And then it controls you. And here's what's crazy. And once it controls you, you will ignore people to get it. And you'll walk right over people to get it. And next thing you know, your wife who you said you loved and you actually did, you don't love that much because now she's in your way of getting what actually makes you feel good. And you can do the same thing with your kids. You can do the same thing with church. You know, I don't feel like going. Well, good for you. So your God is your feeling. It's like, well, what makes me feel good? this is a way of the world. And what happens is, then you see God as an opponent or an obstacle who's keeping you from what is truly good. And this is why we look at God and we go, man, I don't want God, because if I have God, he might ask me to stop doing stuff that makes me feel good. I know it's destroying my relationships and stuff, but man, would he just leave me alone? See, and Satan is so tricky because you bought the lie that you being happy is what it's all about. And so, whatever feels good, you do it. It is a way of the world. It's designed by the prince of the world, and it leads to destruction. Let's look at number two, the lust of the eyes. If flesh, and here's how I would describe lust of the eyes. It's whatever you want, get it. Whatever you want, get it. If flesh is about pleasure, then eyes are about accumulation. If I can see it, I want it. <laughs> How many of you can uh, agree with that one? I, I tell you, it's, it's hilarious to me. I grew up in Lapeer, Michigan. My dad was a, a, uh, a, a phys ed teacher. We had five kids. I, I, we didn't have anything we wanted. We had everything we needed, but I didn't have anything I wanted. I didn't even get what I wanted for Christmas. I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> but what's crazy is, what happens is soon as I grow up, and I thought I was pretty content coming from Lapeer, Michigan, blue collar, but as soon as I went down to Oakland County in Michigan and saw all these other homes and other, other other way of life, as soon as you see it, what happens? You want it. Man, if we took our kids from Mecca and plucked them out of Swaziland and dropped them into your world, what would happen? Yeah, they would freak. And then after about five seconds, what would happen? They'd want it. See, so that's just in us, man. And is this not a way of the world? You're going to walk out of here today, and every billboard, every radio station, every TV thing, everything you see is going to say, you need this, you deserve this, you can't be content without it. In fact, you're not really living unless you possess it. You're not happy, and you're not valuable. And then the next thing that happens is there's two things that this produces, either greed or covetousness or envy and jealousy. And I, greed is, I need more. And covetousness or envy is, I want what you have. And isn't this crazy? It's like, in our whole world says you're nothing until you possess this, until you can drive that, until you can live here, until you can be look like this beautifully. It's, it's absolutely crazy. James 4, this isn't up here either, so write it down. James 4, starting with verse 1, says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, from your lusts, that battle within you? You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Quarrels and fights. I use this one all the time with my kids at home. This is it. And so, the same problems exist. As, as the lust of, of the flesh. Good things, things that are fine to have become God's to us, and the next thing you know, we've got to have them. And as soon as we got to have them, they control us. And the same thing, some of you guys have totally abandoned your families, your spouse, and your kids because you need more stuff. Some of you have totally just abandoned the church because you need more stuff. I'm just too busy. I don't have time. For, for what? Well, I'm, I'm getting more stuff. I'm climbing the corporate ladder, and it takes all my time. Okay, wait a second. So how do you bring this love of God and the love of money together in the Bible? Jesus said, you can't. (laughs) There's a battle going on, and you got to figure this thing out. And again, we see God as the killer of the American dream. Can I just tell you a secret? He will kill your American dream. (laughs) He just will. Now, God could care less about how much you have or how little you have. What he cares about, though, is your heart. This is what's, what do you love? What do you worship? What do you give yourself to? And so the enemy, his scheme, is you need more stuff. And if you want it, you go get it. So, whatever feel good, do it. Whatever you want, get it. The third one is this. And this is the most hideous one of all. And it's the pride of life. And here's how I would say it. This one is, whatever you do, it's up to you. Whatever you do, it's up to you. Let me see if I can unpack this one for you. So pride is the essence of Satan's nature. And I believe this is his biggest lie of all. What he's been saying from the beginning is you can do it. You don't need God. The fact is, if you let God in, he's going to mess up what you could do. Do. And what's happened, the problem with that, as soon as you buy this, you can do it, without even knowing it, it turns into you better do it. Because now your value and your lovability comes from what you do. Your entire value is based on your performance instead of what God says that you are. Greg Boyd in his book says, the truth is that God created us with a beautiful, incurable need for love and worth to be derived from him. But the deception of Satan that characterizes the flesh says that we can meet our own needs. Now the problem with this, you guys, and this is why it's so hideous, is what happens is as soon as you buy this thing, I can do it well, now it's all up to you. And so you actually have to make yourself lovable. Now you have to have to make yourself valuable. And I want to tell you, man, this is so the pattern of this world. And you've known it since you came out of the womb. When you came out, you, you came into this world. And this is so the way that the system of our world works. I realize this. If I do good things, I get blessed. If I fall short, I, I don't. There's first chair and there's last chair, right? There's first string and there's the bench. There's the promotion and there's the lost job. And what you realize is, oh my gosh, I better perform. And when I do, I get rewarded and I'm valuable. If I, women, right? If I look a certain way, then I know my daughter's 13 years old. I'm starting to really hate this system of the world. As every week I have to help her know, right? That her value is not based on what everybody else says you do or how you look. And that's our world. And I'm telling you, we're so immersed in it. We've known nothing but it. It's just like the air that we breathe. And right now, all of you are sitting there, and that's all you're doing. You don't even think about it. You're breathing in air, and it's keeping you alive. And most of us have bought the lie of the pride of life. It's like, I have to perform. I have to be beautiful. I have to be good. And you breathe that in as the very thing that's your life. And I want to tell you what, it's killing us. It's killing us. Let me show you how. On one side, if you can do it, and some of you can, if you can do it, then the next thing you know, there's a pride that can sneak right in you, and you actually start to think that you're better than other people. How many of you think you're better than other people? <laughs> Come on, you bunch of liars. Are you kidding me? There's people here this morning that you wouldn't even venture to say hi to. Can I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Because you look at them and you just go, that's a whole nother stratus. Yeah, and it goes both ways. See, we, 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 we're all about performance, man. We're all about class. It divides us. Now, here's the hideous thing. On the flip side, if you can't do it, now it fills you with shame. And you look around and you just look at everybody else and everybody's better than you. And you start to feel like the big loser. Now, here's how Satan does it spiritually too, right? If you can do it, you don't need God Are you kidding me? Look where you live. Look at the income that you're making. Look at the job that you have. Seriously, you're doing great. You don't need God. In fact, again, if, here's his lie, you bring God into your life, he's going to ruin your life. Man, you've got it by the horns. This is it. And this is so the way of the world. And now I don't need God. Now, on the flip side, if you can't do it, then again, you say, "What a, you hear the voice, what a loser you are. And you're not loved by anybody, especially God. And so now all of a sudden, instead of feeling proud, having a heart that doesn't want God because I don't need him, now Satan will twist it around and go, you actually think God loves you? How come he gave that person those talents and not you? How come they have that intellect and not you? How come you had to live in that home where you were abused and this person had a great dad? How come, how come, how come? See what what we've done? We've created a pattern and a system in this world that's all based on my value being on what I get and what I do. And it's killing us because many of you in this room right now, you don't know the one true God because the enemy who Jesus said is the father of all lies has lied to you from the pit of hell. He's the one who destroyed you in the first place and now he's making you think that God's the one who did it. Man, we got to fight this thing. So, that's why He says, don't love the world. Don't get caught up in this system. Don't make it all about you. That's the heart and the soul of Satan. Now, you guys ready to turn the corner? All right, here we go. John 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus came, all right? And let's look at this, the way of Jesus. So we have a champion. We have somebody who said, man, I'm going to save you from this trap of the lust of your flesh that's destroying you. I'm going to save you from the trap of the lust of your eyes that makes you feel valuable just for what you have. And I'm going to save you from the pride of life. John 16, 33, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, and this is your hope. This is my hope. See, Jesus didn't have passionate lust for himself. Jesus had passionate love for his father and for everybody else around him. He is the way, the truth, and the life because he was completely free from himself. He was the absolute antithesis of pride. And so in 1 John 3, 8, it says, the reason the son of God appeared, the reason Jesus appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. That's what Jesus did. He came down, he took on the pattern of this world, and he took down the enemy, and he never caved in one time. And so he's victorious. And then how does this do this? How, does, how is he the one who saves us from this? Well, the Bible tells us that he came to take away our sin. You guys see, sin at its core is when you put other things in the place of God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is putting yourself in the place of God. It's sin at its core. It is what destroys your relationship with Him, your own soul, and your relationship with others. So what Jesus did is He said, "I came to take away your sin. I'm going to take away this thing inside of you, and I'm going to completely forgive you." And so John one nine says, "Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." Hebrews nine twenty eight. Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sin. 1 John 3 5, you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sin, and in him is no sin. So that's the way of Jesus free from himself, free to love God, and free to love others and give himself away. And then 1 John 4 4 says this You dear children, you are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Is that not a great verse? There's so much hope. Here's your hope. How can I overcome this lust of my flesh? How can I overcome this lust of my eyes? How can I get over the pride of life, whether I'm good at it or bad at it? Let's look at it. The way to overcome is 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ... Has been born of God. For this is the love of God. Remember? Complete opposite of the love of the world. It's that we obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. You guys, by the way, we went through this not too long ago. What's God's command? Yeah, love. Love God. Love each other. Everything else in the Bible falls under this. This is my command. Be free from yourself and love. And so now he says, wow, this is it, it, and we can actually do this. Where am I at? Oh, here it is. And his commandments are not burdensome. Why? Verse 4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. It's our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of of God. How does this work? This is the greatest news in all the world, you guys, is Jesus says, listen, all you have to do, I'm not asking you to clean your act up. I'm not asking you to be good. I'm not asking you to try and be a better person. What I'm asking you to do is, would you believe that I'm the son of God? Would you trust me? Would you actually accept my work on the cross that took away your sin so that you could be completely forgiven, completely of everything you've ever done? Would you trust that? Would you believe in that? And then, would you actually believe in me, which means would you receive me? Because what it says is, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you are born of God. What does that mean? It means that the very Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you. And now the Holy Spirit is the spirit that, that Jesus Christ had in fullness that never gave in to the lust of his flesh, that never gave in to the lust of his eyes, that never was proud, but instead emptied himself completely. It was the Spirit of God inside of Jesus that really allowed him to say yes to the Father all the time and to love everybody. And the coolest thing is, the gift of the gospel is, if you'll put your faith in Christ, he'll forgive you of everything and fill you with his Spirit. And now you can overcome the world. Not because you're great, but because Jesus is great. And once he comes inside of you, everything changes. And you guys, this is our hope. And I just want to encourage you, you guys, this is what Satan doesn't want you to do. This is why he says, I will lie to you. I will woo to you. I'll put systems in the world to get you to not believe. For some reason, we think, oh my gosh, if I gave up what I have right now and I got God I'd lose. And Jesus is going, that is such a lie. You'd finally be free and you'd win. That's how it's done. Now, as the band comes up, can I ask you guys a question real quick? So, for those of you in here who do believe in Jesus and you're born of God, how many of you struggle with the world? <laughs> That's what I thought. So um, come back at 7 tonight, all right? And read Romans 12. And I gotta go. So... Um, No, and and I'm partly serious. Uh, Read Romans 12, 1 and 2. Because in that verse, it tells you how we actually win this. You guys, it was so fun. You're born of God, right? When the service was over, over in the red box, I walked out, and there were all these newborn babies everywhere. It was so fun. (laughs) You see a newborn baby, man, they're just, they're so precious and tender. You guys, you're, you're born of God, but to mature in God. The same way you received, Colossians 2.6 says, the same way that you received Christ and became born, you got to continue to walk in that way. And you received him by grace, a gift, and you put your faith in it. And God's going to continue to prompt and move you, and then you put your faith in it. And the Bible says, you walk by faith. You keep in step with the Spirit. So Romans 12 will help us to do that. And I, I seriously... Um, if you want to come back tonight at seven, we're going to dive more into that verse to figure out how do we do this, right? How do I actually take this victory of knowing Christ and apply it so this world doesn't master me anymore? But here's one thing I can tell you, and this is why this is so important right now, what you're going to do. You guys, everything out there pulls us away from Jesus. Everything, everything in the world. And that's why we have to gather on a regular basis. That's why we need life together on a regular basis because we need to come in here now and remind ourselves, Jesus, you, you're the champion and you're the one I love and you're the one who loves me. You love me, you love me, you love me. So let's stand together and let's worship him, this one who came to set us free.